This is the Kingdom Movement Podcast, a place where we will explore through conversation how discipleship, theology, and community really can transform our world. Hey guys, we're back with our final episode of season one of the Kingdom Movement podcast. I'm really excited about this one. It's a question and answer episode. So basically you guys, listeners, people in Kingdom Movement have sent in their questions and we're going to do our best to try and respond to some of them. I think a quick aside or brief uh, disclaimer would be that all issues are done through or dealt with through relationship and so through a podcast you know i can't be someone's pastor or counselor through a podcast it takes opening up it takes talking face to face with the person so the best that we can do is offer just um, advice on maybe the next step forward with some of these questions but my my greatest advice to you would be if you're really struggling with some of the things um, that we're going to be talking about find someone that you can go to with these things and talk to them let them be a part of your life open up and that's maybe even a, a hint to some of the answers for some of these questions. But before I keep rambling on, we have a special guest, or I have a special guest with me today, <laughs> Vanessa Johnson. Hey guys, excited to be a part of today. So it's just Vanessa and I today, at least for this, um, this section. So we're kind of playing around with the idea of making a part two to answer some more of these questions, because a lot of them are really, really good questions, mm-hmm. and we want to make sure that we answer them fully, but we don't want to make the episodes go so long like we did with the biblical story series because Vanessa wasn't involved in that. So she couldn't <laughs> tell us to wrap it up. <laughs> so, okay, guys, without wasting any more time, we're going to dive into the questions. So to give you an idea of how the format's going to work, we'll read the question that was sent in and then uh, we'll just discuss it briefly and then we'll move on. So the first question that we're going to be talking about is this. What does forgiveness look like? Help. Mm-hmm. I think, in fact, I know... I'm a very forgiving person, but then I spend the next uh, few weeks avoiding the people who did me wrong, or my mind tries to justify why I'm avoiding them, but I swear in my heart and mind and soul they're forgiven, but I just can't let it go. But going back to things as they were before makes me feel like I'm naive and a walkover, but I assume that's what forgiveness is. I just want to know in my heart all is forgiven and act accordingly, but it's so sticky. I end up just avoiding people in general in case I fall fallout or disagreement with them sometimes i just agree with them even though i don't want to then i avoid them even more because i know it won't be long until we have a misunderstanding mm-hmm. yeah i i think through kind of discipleship through kingdom movement this is something that comes up quite a bit is this idea of forgiveness like what is the balance between taking a step into restoring relationship that's been broken with some sort of problem, which is forgiveness, and what is just being a walkover or naive. And I think one of the hardest things about following Jesus is we are often put in a position that seems like weakness. Forgiveness in a lot of our minds, kind of even what you said in this question, is naive or a walkover. Forgiveness often puts us in the position 
of having to be the one to admit that something is broken, right? Mm. And a lot of times our pride... Yeah, it brings humility. Yeah, a lot of times our pride keeps us from wanting to restore um, relationship. And so I think, obviously, there's a lot of... And this is why we gave that disclaimer at the beginning. There's so many scenarios. Yeah, you know, there's a a difference between someone said something petty to me and it hurt Mm. my feelings versus someone was abusive to me. And, you know, what that looks like. So I think really it becomes contextualized by, like, what is the appropriate action, I guess? The action is contextualized by the situation. Mm-hmm. But I think forgiveness, you know, Jesus, Peter actually comes up to Jesus, and I'm forgetting where in the Gospels, but he basically says, you know, Lord, how many times do, we, do I have to forgive someone? Basically wondering when kind of the the question when is enough enough right when does does it step into the realm of being naive or a walkover and jesus says and he says seven times lord you know thinking oh yeah that's a good amount jesus is going to be impressed and jesus says no seven times 70 and essentially um that's an infinite amount i think vanessa's looking it up it's in matthew 19 uh, or 18 matthew 18 21 when he asks the questions and then um, the Lord says, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Okay. So basically what Jesus is saying here is no matter what, we need to continue to walk in forgiveness and to forgive. And I think mainly a part of a major part of that is this idea that when we choose not to forgive, there's always a root of bitterness that comes up in that mm-hmm. place in and our it hearts. It just grows and grows every time yeah. you actively choose to not forgive that person. Um, yeah. And I think it can spread and become something that not only affects that relationship, but affects all our relationships. That's to mirror how you view everything. Then. Yeah. Yeah. And so bitterness can become the posture of our hearts if we are unwilling to forgive. And I think the other side of it is the hard side. As Jesus makes it very clear that there's a lot in us that God is willing and has forgiven. And if we are unwilling to forgive um, the debts that other people owe us, right, uh, then then God's not going to forgive us because we are holding all these debts and wages against other people when God has graciously forgiven us. And so there is a reciprocal relationship to forgiveness and feeling not feeling, um, experiencing God's forgiveness, God's voice in our lives. Mm -hmm. And really unforgiveness is what clouds out that voice. Yeah. And throughout the Bible, it talks so many times about, um, forgive one another as Mm -hmm. the Lord forgives you. So just a reminder of what the Lord has done for you and the endless times that he has forgiven you and to reciprocate that through our relationships with other people, because we are we do the same thing. Yeah. So I think to bring it to a focal point for this question, um, the the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people always see that as like when Jesus is laying out this plan of take the bag the extra mile or turn the other cheek, that it's this act of weakness. But really all of these acts, when put into the biblical context, are ec- actually a way to fight evil without using violence. And I won't go into the context of all those. But um, I think in a sense, when we are willing to forgive and we intentionally, um, purposefully understand that we are 
stepping out onto a limb to restore relationship because we believe that the way of Jesus really can bring restoration to our world. We are actually waging war against the lie of the enemy that says, you know, that you need to protect yourself. This person's just going to abuse you, that this relationship isn't worth it. And really, um, if we do that, we will always keep people at arm's length. We will always hold things against them and weigh them in our minds as judges. And really, when Jesus talks about do not judge one another, that's what he's talking about. Don't stand as the judge, jury, and executioner over other people's lives because you don't always know why people do what they do. Um, so anyways, I think the the main focal point for the, the person that asked this question is really how can you begin to think of forgiveness as a weapon of restoration, of healing, that God can use you to be a healer, a restorer, an example to your friends of what it means to truly love other people, even when it's not easy and when it's hard. Um, And when we talk about extreme cases of abuse or, you know, you know the list that we can think of, forgiveness may be in the sense of saying, you know what, like, I really do wish that this person can find healing, that this person can find hope and restoration, but I can't be a part of that journey because of what's happened to me. And that's perfectly okay to say too. And that's perfectly okay to say um, in smaller relationships as well, that if you really feel like, you know, me and this person, it's not healthy to be around them, it's okay to walk away, but what's not okay is to continue to hold kind of a ledger against that person in your heart. Um, and I, a lot of times I hear people say, I'm just going to cut them out of my life. Like that isn't the proper response. And that isn't really forgiveness mm-hmm. to just continually cut people out of your lives over, over small things. I see you looking something mm-hmm. up over here. Okay. All right. So hopefully that gives you at least just a roadmap to work with when it comes to forgiveness. Um, but like I said, discussing some of the, maybe the specific scenarios with someone you trust would be really helpful too. Yeah. Um, the second question, a lot shorter can the Holy Spirit depart from you? Yeah, this is a great question. And I think kind of a hotly debated theological one. I think my short answer would be that we can so squash the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives that it is no longer um, easy or uh, even discernible to be able to understand what the Holy Spirit says. So the, the reason why I would say that is like, in the same way that, uh, okay, let's say you go out and you party and you get drunk and slosh and do a bunch of dumb stuff, like, and you are, you are born again Christian, you love the Lord, you just made a really bad mistake. That next morning you are not more than like, you will with the conviction of the Holy Spirit feel awful about it, right? You'll go, man, that was really dumb. Like I let my friends convince me to do this thing. I shouldn't have done it. But if the very next weekend you go and do the exact same thing and then the very next weekend again you go and do the exact same thing you are slowly but surely squashing that voice of conviction in your heart to the point that where all of a sudden you can start justifying and saying ah you know what like those were just rules to restrict me like i'm having fun blah 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 you know what i mean and so you get to this place where it's like whereas before the holy spirit's conviction was so strong that you felt awful about it Um, now you're in this place that it's like you are openly embracing it and maybe even inviting other people into it. And so So more of you moving away from the mm, spirit, you actively. Yeah, I think that's a great way of saying it. 
is not so much that the Holy Spirit departs us, is that we push the Holy Spirit away. The Holy Spirit will constantly pursue us and desires to to transform our lives. But I think um, if we are unwilling to walk in the Spirit, as Paul would say, right? Like, so keeping in step with what the Spirit is saying, then we are inevitably going to squash the Spirit's voice in our lives um, and essentially drown out His voice with all the other noise. I don't know if you... Really, I feel like that that would be my answer. Mm. So just really to summarize that, I think more importantly is, do our lives reflect what the Holy Spirit is asking us to do? And if we're not listening in obedience to the Holy Spirit, we will slowly dull our... And Jesus would even say that when he says, you know, you have ears but you're you know what i mean like you have ears but you can't hear you have Mm -hmm. eyes but you can't see you're Mm -hmm. blind that's essentially what he's saying in his in you know first century palestine language Mm -hmm. like you you have the functions but they're not functioning anymore Mm -hmm. because you have so hardened your heart that you can no Mm -hmm. longer hear what god's trying to say to you um so the next one which i think kind of ties in nicely is how to walk in the spirit daily Currently, for me, my spiritual walk has been reduced to segment of time, an hour a day, 30-minute Bible study, 15-minute prayer. In the event that I don't follow my schedule that day, I forfeited the chance to be in the Spirit, and I wait for the next day. I just forget God throughout the day. It makes me cringe to admit, but it's either there's so much to do or nothing to do, and He is not the first person I think of before any of it. I think mm-hmm. this is a, a great question and thanks for your honesty because i think a lot of us have been there more than we'd like to admit and i think the thought of yeah okay i screwed up today i'll try tomorrow and already throw like you were saying throwing out the whole day and i don't think like there are times like riding in the combi like how are you using that time to sit and say hey god this is what i have for right now god and continually continually (laughs) continually continually (laughs) continuously continuously being active in uh pursuing his presence Mm. and being aware in the moment like when you're walking to your classroom that's this conversation with many students of how are you practicing his presence like how are you acknowledging him in your days and uh, of course having your devotional time with him to have that separate time but also adding to your day not just compartmentalizing him in that area yeah that's great there's a a really really good book that we read as a team a while ago called present perfect Mm -hmm. and you kind of hinted at the language that's in that book but it essentially it boils down to the premise of the book uh boils down to this idea that the only thing that we can really offer god is our now Mm -hmm. we can't give him our past you know Mm -hmm. what i mean we can't change the past and we aren't in the future we're not living there so the reality is, is the only thing that we can offer God is our now. And so it talks about waking up to the presence of God. And that has been a good reminder for me that there will be times, you know, I'm just walking around maybe on campus and I'm just sitting on Facebook before my next meeting or whatever. And Facebook, I'm an old guy. Um, but then I just, it's like the Holy Spirit's voice whispers in my ear and he says, you know, like, why don't you put that down and just look around you, Right. And it becomes this moment where, like, I put my phone in my pocket. I begin to just look at the trees, the beautiful trees around me, look mm-hmm. at all the students passing me by. And it's like this holy, sacred moment mm-hmm. that, you know, if you were looking at me, it just looked like I'm sitting on a bench. Mm-hmm. But it's like 
I'm observing the beauty of God's creation. I'm seeing the amazing opportunity of students all around me and the potential. Um, and it's just this cool moment where it's like I've invited God to just sit with me, not needing to ask him anything, not even saying, God, what do you want me to do? But it's just like, God, you're here. Mm -hmm. I recognize your presence and I want to be with you today. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the question if he's here. It's like, are we aware mm -hmm. of him yeah. in that moment? And I think, too, don't think that you have forfeited the chance. Yes. I think you also need to be intentional, too, with not just spending time, but investing time with mm -hmm. him. Even if you feel like you don't have enough time, like, what are you doing before you study? Like, can you invite him into those moments and help him, ask him for help to help you focus and just um, be able to see clearly and, yeah, invest in your time with him? Yeah, and I think, obviously, you want to continue to take that morning time. Yes. Like, that is a centered, set-aside, you know, kind of the tithe time, yeah. if you yeah. will. The prioritizing, too. Yeah, but I, I think the more that we can invite God into our day, even having fun with it, just mm -hmm. saying, like, God, today on my way to class, you know, pre impress upon my heart some one person that I should pray for. Maybe you don't even have to go talk to them, but, like, yeah. as you're waiting in the queue at the ATM— begin to just pray for each person in the line and say, mm -hmm. God, whatever they need today. Like, just make yeah. it almost a fun game with Mix God. Mix it up. Don't put God in a box. Yeah. It doesn't I, always have to be the same thing every day. Like, mm -hmm. it's a relationship that we can explore in so many different ways, and God's yeah. cool that way, that he will show himself in new ways. I think the last thought, and something God's been really speaking to my heart lately is, you know, oftentimes we view the most spiritual people as the people who can do prophetic words or healing ministries or blah 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 but jesus even says you know in one of his parables like these people come and they say didn't we prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and perform miracles in your name and jesus says depart from me for i never knew you and it's this idea that like in the book of john jesus continually talks about that my sheep know my voice right um and i know my sheep and really, it just made me realize that the greatest um, characteristic of someone who wants to follow Jesus is to be known by him and to know his voice, right? Mm -hmm. And so the more that we can practice hearing his voice and responding and knowing, just trusting in that confidence that God knows me, he knows my name, right? Um, even when the disciples come back and they're rejoicing about um, casting out demons and doing all this stuff after he sends out the 72. He tells them, he's like, don't rejoice about that. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven with my Father, right? Mm -hmm. That basically our yeah. Heavenly Father knows your name, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think, yeah, all these things can help us walk in confidence with that. Love that question. Yeah. So what are some practical biblical ways Christians can heal from mother wounds? Yeah, this is a, a tough one, I think, especially if um, you don't come from that perspective. Mm -hmm. But I think, yeah, I, I'm just trying to think of how I, how I want to respond. Um, I think the, the hardest thing for anybody is to have those vital relationships in our lives, our mothers, our fathers, those people that were meant, you know, biologically, um, and philosophically is not the right word, but structurally we're created to be 
the people that care for us the most, mm-hmm. right? And when there's a brokenness in that relationship, it can create all sorts of problems, insecurities, hurts in our own lives, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I guess my off the top of my head response would be that whatever we are feeling insecure about, because typically it comes from this idea that our mothers or fathers either said something or didn't say something that um, was vital for us, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean, or shaped how we begin to think about ourselves. And I would say begin to think, really, really take the time to reflect on what are the things that your mother specifically has said or done that have really hurt you, Mm -hmm. that have begun to make you think certain things about yourself, um, and really to take time before your heavenly father and to say, God, what do you say about this thing? Mm-hmm. You know, my mother said that I was X, Y, and Z, but what does your voice say? What does your word say? Yeah. And really to begin to reflect on that. And, you know, it does. I think the biggest thing is not just to hear it, but then begin to think through how you can actually begin to walk in that new identity. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I guess the example would be if you feel like, you were never good enough, right? Mm. Then it's like, but my father says that because I belong to him, I am loved, I am cherished, I do have value. Well, what does that mean? If if you have value from the creator of the entire universe, what does that mean for your everyday? Yeah. How can you begin to walk in that in a, in a practical and way? looking at it through that lens. Yeah. But practically, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. You have Walking any in forgiveness, mm. uh, you have to pursue that. Do not let it fester like it Mm. is a wound like you're saying and how you take care of that wound does matter and whether your mom asked for forgiveness or not or how whatever had happened obviously again this is it could be a conversation outside of this because it does depend on situation how you can practically do this but to actually like take care of that and surrender to the lord and actually let him work on that with you surgically remove it stitch Mm. you up you know there's different ways to heal and so yeah being able to view that with the father and to receive your value from him and to release those those wounds to him i think as well something that has been hard culturally i i shouldn't even say culturally i think people in general um it's hard for us to confront these things with Mm -hmm. the people we need to confront them with and oftentimes we just avoid we Mm -hmm. you know just kind of go around the issues or we just never talk about it and it's awkward family reunion yeah yeah definitely i mean it's not easy but i think part of even going back to the forgiveness aspect like forgiveness is a vital part of healing and we can never heal until we really forgive and i think part of forgiveness um, which is a huge thing that's lacking in our churches and our lives is confession. Mm-hmm. Confession both ways. Confession in the sense of coming out and saying, you know what, this actually did hurt me. This did affect me. This did make me begin to think this about myself. And I just need to say it because, I, you know, maybe you didn't intend to do that, but this was the consequence, right? And I want us to be able to move forward, but I can't move forward until you know that mm-hmm. right and sometimes they're not even aware either yeah so again sure. depends on the situation and you being able to evaluate what's the healthy way of going about mm. this but yeah being able to approach that person sometimes is necessary so kind of thinking of a personal example 
I really, when my mom and stepdad first got together, um, not well, first and for a long time, me and my stepdad did, just did not get along. Long story short, we came from very different backgrounds, different ways of like dealing with discipline, and we just would butt heads all the time. We would walk into rooms, and neither of us would say anything to each other. It was just, it was, it was misery. It really was. And I remember one time sitting in my car or my mom's car with her. Um, just on the brink of like, I'm, I'm just done, mom. I don't want to do this anymore. And um, I just remember her saying, can you just learn to forgive him? And, you know, maybe you're sitting there like, bro, that was kind of a, an insulting thing to say to you. But it would, I really believe it was a Holy Spirit moment because it, the Holy Spirit really just began to speak to me and say, can you forgive him? Can you learn, even if he doesn't deserve it, in your mind, right? Even if you feel justified in the way that you feel, can you love him like I love him and forgive him? Mm-hmm. And I, you know, it, the switch didn't flip that day by any means, but I began to see him in a completely different perspective. I began to see the extreme back pain that he was experiencing, and that's why he was in a lot of his grumpy moods or whatever, rather than it being about me, you know what I mean? That he was mad at me, but that he was in extreme pain or, you know, that he had other circumstances going on. And slowly but surely, like, because I was willing to just bite my tongue, see him from a different perspective, God began to heal that relationship. To Today, we have a great relationship. I love him. I want him to be considered grandpa to my kids, mm-hmm. you know, like, um, I'm happy to have conversations. I'm not saying that it's perfect or that we get along all Wrong. the time. Yeah, yeah. But that relationship, if you would have told me that we could have the relationship we have today, back then, I would have said, you're crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And really, it started on the road to mm-hmm. forgiveness, right? Yeah. Um, so maybe just looking at your mom to see, like, why is she the way that she is? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What shaped her to be that way and what wounds is she carrying around? Mm-hmm. And re- rely on the Lord for the strength to do that because yeah. it can be hard and he will get you through it. Yeah. So I think maybe let's do one more of these before we move on. Or sorry, before we go to the break rather. Um, so yeah, here it is. I'm skipping ahead, but mm. I think this one will be a little bit easier to answer. Hey, I wanted to understand the importance of the Old Testament. I know that it has prophecies that Jesus has fulfilled, but why do we need to keep reading from it if the gospel exists now? I hope I'm phrasing my question properly. Like, I understand we still get elements of God's character explained to us and wisdom and encouragement from the Old Testament, but with the New Testament and the covenant we are in with God now, with him sending Jesus Christ to die for our sins, do we need to read the Old Testament? Do we need to read it, Jacob? Yeah. <laughs> Vanessa already said that I'm going to answer this. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think there's two, two things floating around in my mind here. I think there is a cultural aspect that when I attend most church services here in Botswana, I do feel like the readings are from the Old Testament. I actually made a comment on that the other day of like, it's interesting to me that I don't hear as many New Testament passages. So I'm just wondering if this question is coming from that perspective or not. But other than that, um, I would say the reason why the Old Testament has value outside of, yes, like the, the prophecies Jesus fulfilled, is that we have to understand that everything that is happening 
around this idea of Messiah, of kingdom of God, of resurrection of the dead. These are all Jewish people of God ideas. We can't separate them. Now, they have greater implications for the wider world, obviously. But I think to understand the story of Jesus, we have to put it in the context of this longer narrative of Mm -hmm. the Jewish people. It wasn't like God spent all these thousands of years working with the Jewish people, and then once Jesus came, he's like, all right, I'm done. Yeah, forget that. (laughs) Jesus is the Jewish Messiah, and the Jews were God's representative people to bring healing and wholeness. So in order to understand why the New Testament in its context is significant, we have to understand the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. And Jesus, crazy enough, the most quoted book of the Bible by Jesus is Deuteronomy. So Jesus is not just saying throw out the Old Testament law or codes or anything like that. And I don't think that this that's what this question is asking. Right. I think it's more like What's na- the importance? now that we have the revelation right. of Jesus, which the Old Testament was pointing to, mm-hmm. why do we still need the Old Testament? And I think there's lots of value that we can still... The principles of the Old Testament haven't changed. Right. And I think there are times that we can really relate to people. Relate, li- learn yeah. from. Yeah. Like, there's so many stories that we mm. can learn from, for sure. In fact, when the New Testament is talking about Scripture, it's not talking about the New Testament. It's actually talking about the Old Testament because the New Testament wasn't like a canonized book. So... If the early disciples viewed scripture as valuable and the Old Testament as valuable in understanding who we are as the people of God, our story, it's kind of like, why do we celebrate um, Independence Days, right? Mm-hmm. Well, we already won Independence. What's right. the point? The but, remembrance yeah. of. Yeah. So the I celebration th- of. Yeah, it's the heritage. And I think to understand the Jewish heartbeat and what Jesus is like his whole message about is about the Exodus story in particular is that the heartbeat of Jewish understanding of God's deliverance and even Jesus's own death and resurrection and this idea of um, of bringing us out of slavery to sin. Like there are so many themes within the New Testament that are pulling from the old that if we don't understand the Old Testament, we won't get the full picture, right? So I think the Old Testament has immense value i will i'll be honest i spend the majority of my reading in the new testament but even lately i've just been going through the proverbs and it's like and the psalms are another huge awesome resource and you read the prophets and you understand that the their condemnation of the brokenness in society i mean like we need more prophetic voices to declare those kind of things as well Mm -hmm. so anyways i think it can be just as valuable as the new testament um, and we, we can allow the Holy Spirit to, to reveal how the fuller picture of the people of God can, can live, mm-hmm. um, live out the message that the Old Testament was trying to, to accomplish, right? I don't know. Do you feel like you got any other thoughts, babe? No, that's, that's good. All right. Well, we will take a quick break, and then we'll come back with a few more. All right, guys, we are back. Yeah. This time, we Vanessa's going to read the questions because her voice is so nice. <laughs> All right, guys, here is the first one. Which scriptures can a Christian go to when battling depression? This is a good question. Yeah. I think, obviously, there's a lot of scriptures that we can yes. go to and turn to. I mean, even a quick Google. But yeah, it could take you anywhere. But I think something that has really been beneficial that I've heard is praying through the Psalms. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we think about the Psalms enough. 
the Psalms are this huge, vast library mm-hmm. of essentially just someone pouring out their heart before God, the real raw emotions. Yeah. Like, the ups and the downs, yeah. all of it speaking to, yeah. Yeah, like, God, where are you? You know, why have you forsaken us? Why have you left me? Then you know, goes to, you're my strong yeah. tower, you're my place, you're my res- refuge, you are near to the brokenhearted, yeah. onto the, you know. Yeah, and so I think that rawness is something that we need more of before God. God is not afraid of that. And if you don't know how to verbalize that, I know... There's a lot of people who are like, I don't really know what to say. Mm-hmm. The Psalms are a great roadmap, like to just say they say what your heart is already feeling, and it just helps you verbalize it in a really, really helpful way. That the Psalms always start, you know, or not always start, but if the Psalm starts, like Vanessa was saying, in a in a hard place or a questioning place, mm-hmm. they always end in a triumphal right. place. And I think just praying through that really, really can help encourage you. Um, how can a Christian heal from deep self-hate? Yeah, that's a that's a strong one, huh? Um, as I was thinking about this question, it kind of went back to a personal time in my life where um, I had been serving the Lord for a while. Essentially, long story short, got into a relationship that I shouldn't, had made some choices that I shouldn't. And after that, there was a a year, it was a year-long battle of just really self-loathing, like really not believing that God could love me anymore and not feeling worthy um, to do what I felt like God had asked me to do. And I just, I really, really, really struggled. And I didn't really know how to get out of that hole. Um, But I had a really close friend of mine who... I don't even remember how this happened, but pulled me aside one one night at youth group uh, or young adults, whatever it was. And um, he basically said, you know, if God loved you before you ever chose him, before Mm -hmm. you ever said yes to him, that you wanted to follow him, how much more should you recognize? Not that God's love changed or that it was more, but how much more should you recognize what kind of God or what kind of love God has for you now? Mm. And that, for whatever reason, it you know, there's things that people say that just click in your brain, and that really began to click in my heart of like, if God loved me before I ever chose Him, if He wanted me before mm. I ever wanted Him. Mm-hmm. What has changed about that love? You know what I mean? Now that I do want to be with him still. Mm-hmm. And no matter what you had done, no matter who you are. Yeah. And so, I mean, I still had to do some forgiving and fighting my past and those kind of things. But that became the the jump start that I needed mm-hmm. to change kind of that self-loathing. And I began to just live it. You know what I mean? Began to just walk in the reality that, yes, God loves me. This is what he's asked me to do. And if he's asked me to do it, then he's going to carry me through, right? I think, too, if that, since you were saying, like, that's a pattern that you're living by. To create mm. new patterns, you have to do new things. Like, you have to counteract those thoughts with his truth and his love and to not compare yourself. Sometimes that comes from just comparing yourself to somebody else. But you aren't somebody else, and God created you for a reason, and um, you are uniquely you, and find the ways that God values those things in you because in the Word it says so many times, um, just specifically, he loves you. And so um, diving into that and speaking life into yourself and from God's word and what He, how he views you, begin to really believe what Jesus said about you and take 
that into your life and into the way that you view yourself. Yeah, that's good. So for these next two, they're very, very similar. So maybe you can read both and then we'll just answer them as one. Mm -hmm. That's cool. Yeah. I struggle to trust anyone, even myself. Do you have any biblical tips on how to handle this? And I struggle to trust others so deeply. I don't have any fulfilling friendships. I keep people at arm's length and push them away and try if when they try to come too close. Yet I long for connection. I only talk to God about how I really feel, and I can only be myself around Him. But when I come uh, close to people, I don't trust them at all, even when I want to. I also struggle to believe anyone would truly want to be my friend and stay if they knew the unedited, imperfect version of me. Do you know how I can navigate this as a Christian? I have been praying and talking to God about this, and He knows. Great. Yeah, do you have any initial thoughts, or do you want me to share first? You can share first. Yeah, Yeah, I think with trust, and this is going to maybe, I don't know if tough love is the right word, but I think we have to be willing to open up we have to be willing to be vulnerable and i think you know i don't again because i don't we're not in a conversation format i don't know what's maybe created this in the first place Mm -hmm. i think maybe going back to saying why why did this start in my heart you know what i mean like you're taking one viewpoint of a friendship and broadcasting them onto others Mm. or even the idea of like if you would say i feel like it's been this way since i can remember was there a time that something significant happened with someone that you really cared about that caused you to lose trust in people Mm -hmm. because the reality is is every single one of us the closest relationship yeah i love vanessa the deaf she's my closest person but i know there's going to be times that she's going to say something or do something that is going to hurt my feelings or whatever you know what i mean and vice versa i'm going to do that to her so the reality is is to love people and to trust people is to be vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. And all people are going to let us down at some point. We have to be willing to accept that no and we're going to let other people down. So I think our willingness to be able to say, you know what? Even if these people don't always do everything that I like. Mm-hmm. Like like you said you long for connection. Mm-hmm. So if you want if you want that in your life, it is going to take of vulnerability right mm-hmm. it's gonna take when you get that urge when you know that you want to push away to guard yourself and to keep yourself protected in your own eyes like to say you know what not this time mm-hmm. I'm gonna let this person in I'm gonna be vulnerable and honest with them and the reality is one when we do that we need to do that with the right people right we don't not just, just yeah. trust anybody and everybody with everything in your life yeah so, Use wisdom. So there is a, a varying level. And I think sometimes I'm bad at this where I'm too trusting. And Vanessa is a good guard for me to be like, you don't need to say everything all the time. <laughs> um, so I, there's definitely a balance between like, who are the relationships you trust, right? And I would say a huge aspect. So there's a line that at the very end it says, if they knew the unedited and imperfect version of me right Mm, they're probably thinking the same thing a hundred percent and honestly um i had a conversation with someone the other day and they shared something about their past that they literally had never shared any Mm. with anyone before they were really nervous they thought you know this person's gonna view me differently and when they told me it's like in my mind i'm like why would you ever think that i was gonna think differently right 
because of this. Like, I love you way, you're way too important for right. me to just be, oh, I'm throwing that person right. out. So our perception of saying um, X, Y, Z will make this person make me hmm. or view me this way is very dis... Yeah, and I think the reason, the really important aspect of that is there will be people who think of you differently, mm. but those are not the people that have invested interest in your right. life. And there are people who have invested interest in your life that mm -hmm. care about you deeply, who love you deeply. And those people we have to learn to trust, mm -hmm. right? Um, and really it comes down to when we're unwilling to be vulnerable, open, confess, we are believing the lie of yeah. the enemy. Giving him the power. We are giving him power. And we're allowing that lie to have power over our lives to control us. And in reality... I'm assuming you wrote in because you want to change. Right. So the way that you're doing it now, it, it, it to not trust or to not let people in is a um, a protection, mm -hmm. a self protection. But the reality is, it makes us miserable. You know what I mean? When we can't connect with anyone, when we don't feel like we can trust or belong to anyone or anything, we're miserable. We weren't made to be that way. God and, created us to be yeah. with people. So the very thing that we're using to protect ourselves. Is actually hurting us right, right? letting so, one crop mm, spoil the whole garden yeah. so to say and letting that steal the joy of a relationship that yeah. could be and yeah. stopping you from experiencing some love from uh, uh, somebody else and being yeah. able to they're probably waiting for that space for them as well and so sometimes taking that step to be vulnerable with the right person who wants to yeah. reciprocate the same thing and you have to use wisdom yeah. But you have to step into the uncomfortable sometimes. And I think, you know, maybe even do it in baby steps mm. where it's like, yeah. I know I haven't trusted someone with this thing in a long time. Right. And then you can use that to gauge, like, is this person trustworthy? Are they going to go behind my back? You know, and then you can begin to slowly open up more and more yeah, and more. But good. I would just say, you know, if you want to grow in this, you have to become vulnerable, right? You can't wait for something else to happen. Ask God for the strength to do so. Yep move in it take action so i believe we have two left yeah two left so this is the next one all right could you please discuss how women can navigate porn and masturbation addiction it's often men who are said to have these problems but i believe that there are many women and girls hiding and deeply struggling with this and can't speak out because of the deep shame um Okay. When you mention this, or please keep in mind, things like rape and molestation could have been a catalyst to these behaviors in these women's lives. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, this is a tough one. And I think one that we have to, at least as the church or our community, begin to change our language. Um, and what I mean by that is we typically always talk about it in a male context. Yeah. And so I think, one, it begins... And it's a good reminder for our community because, I, you know, I can get stuck in this whatever way of speaking. But to make sure that our language is inclusive, that yes. sin is not um, uh, gender-based. Gender yeah. Exclusive. But I would say the second aspect of this, and this is with this, you, you mentioned the shame, the deep shame. And it that is the weapon of the enemy when yeah. it comes to this area. And I think a huge huge weapon that we can begin to reclaim to begin to defeat this aspect of sin in our lives is confession mm. confession because getting it out of the darkness because mm, that's where the enemy thrives yeah because even when you're doing those activities 
you're often isolated, mm -hmm. you're alone, you're in, the, it's kind of done in the shadows, you know what I mean? Like you are purposely isolating yourself. And so in isolation, the sin will continue to grow, mm -hmm. right? And so I think confession, not necessarily having to confess, you know, the, the other aspects that might have stemmed from it that you mentioned at, at the end of your question, but the confession of like, you know what, I do struggle with this. This mm -hmm. is a reality that I have to fight and I'm asking the Holy Spirit to help right. me. And I think one, if even one person is willing to do that, it will open the door for other people. Yeah. And so sometimes it does. Catalyst for healing for somebody mm. else. So it takes, it's hard because the first person usually is the one that has to really overcome a lot of those emotions and fears and anxieties. Mm. But once that floodgate opens, it can become a healing for so many yeah, other, people. other people. And the enemy does not want that, right? No. And, but I, even in my own life, I used to struggle with this, and it really came down to confession, true confession of like, this is a part of who I am, and I want to change, right? And then taking that— It's the, not who I am. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Right. That this was a part of my life, but I want to change. And I think with all addiction, when Jesus even talks about this specific thing, right, lust— he talks about gouging out eyes and cutting out arms. Yeah. And he's using hyperbole, but what he's saying is, like, take extreme measures. Like, if you've got to, like, literally brick your phone, that it only takes WhatsApps and right. calls for, you know, several months, then do it. You know what I mean? Like, if you have you, to deny yourself. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that aspect is the same for men and women no matter what like we have to take extreme measures to cut out these sins in our lives otherwise they will continue to hang around um but yes i think confession vocalizing being honest and vulnerable like even if we're in a position of leadership i find that really the greatest healing is when our leaders are willing to admit mm -hmm. i don't have it all together because it really helps us see like oh i don't have to have it all together yeah. as well. moving from shame into the healthy conviction that it is yeah. which you already have and moving into confession, forgiveness, and um, to take action steps yeah. to do so. So I guess my advice would be find another woman that you really trust and just be vulnerable and honest and say, hey, this is part of what's going on in my mm -hmm. life and I want to get help and I want other people to recognize that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And who knows, maybe God can use you to bring deep change yeah. right, to this specific area. Thanks for bringing it up. Yeah, for sure. All right, last question. All right. Practical he ways to heal from being the least favorite child when parents are clearly showing favoritism to your sibling. What do? Why do parents do this to their children? It is one of the most soul-crushing and heartbreaking things one can experience. Yeah. Yeah, again, this, I think, requires context and conversation to know the, the specifics of the situation, like what's going on and all that. But I would say a big response or my biggest response or answer would be kind of along the lines of the mother wound mm. of you know we did a message um i think it was two worship nights ago about the blessing of the father right and so often like we have lived without that blessing that statement that prophetic voice to say mm -hmm. like this is who you are you are loved you are cherished you are valued and when we don't have that in our lives like this person said, it's soul crushing. It's heartbreaking, right? Because we need that. All of us need that. Mm -hmm. um, and so I would say if you aren't finding that from your blood family, um, 
really find people that are going to speak encouragement over your life outside of that. You know what I mean? And more importantly, begin to really believe what your heavenly father has to say about you. Look it up, like really dig into it. Um, because the reality is, is, if this is going on in the home, like you can't always control that, right? right. You can't, God doesn't promise that our circumstances will always change, but he does promise that his truth, his voice, his love is available to us, mm-hmm. right? And so I would just encourage the listener, one, begin to just really saturate your life with what does God say about me and begin to really think through kind of all your mental processes that have been shaped and formed by your disbelief that you are loved or valued yeah. and begin to begin to think about what does it mean if God really does love and value me? And then the second thing would be define people that you trust, that know, that love you, and just say, hey, you know what, like, I just really need encouragement. I, I want to surround myself with people that love me and encourage me and speak life over me, right? Because if you're surrounding yourself with friends that are negative all the time, and, you know, it's just going to feed into those things. Right. I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts, Vanessa? Again, it's a conversation thing, too. So, like, I feel like I could speak into this more if I know specifically mm-hmm. what all is going on. Because sometimes even conversation with them like they might like we were talking about the mother womb as well like sometimes they're not even aware or may like they don't like it's perceiving like they have a favorite or yeah. they don't realize that they are so, and maybe they are but again so it just depends on yeah. the situation and I would, it could be a conversation but to sit down and say hey i feel like xyz and being able to make that a conversation like in actually sitting down in yeah. a respectful manner and talking through it with them if you feel like that is an appropriate step to take. I think sometimes, too, when we are vulnerable like that, even if the person knows that they're doing those things to us, like once they hear it from your mouth... Hear the hurt. Hear the hurt. I think it can bring change. It really can. It can open up someone's heart because you can't look at heartbreak Mm. and not be moved, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Before you even do that, if that is the scenario that you enter into prayer too about the situation and just ask God to move on uh, their hearts and yours as well to make sure that it is a healthy way of going about it. And again, that would be where relationship and context Mm -hmm. really, really matter to know what the exact steps are. Yeah, so feel free, any of you guys that have these questions and feel like it would be better to have a conversation to even reach out to us, um, aside from the people that you feel like you have in mind but if you do want to reach out to us we'd love to have these conversations to be able to dive into these things a little deeper for sure all right guys well that is the final question and this is the final episode of the kingdom movement podcast season one so so season two will come out at the beginning of next semester we'll have a whole load of other topics please feel free to you know in that google form we sent out or even in the comments of this episode send us topics that you want us to talk about in future episodes because we obviously want to talk about the things that you guys care about um but otherwise on behalf of paulu and tiamu who's not here and myself and vanessa Vanessa. we love you guys we'll see you season two see you later